One, two, three. Do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No way. Welcome back in for another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Broadmarkle. With me, as always, my compatriot, Mike Anderson. How are we doing today, Mike? Been better. Been better. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit kind of like this, you know. You know, it's just... Bad game, Mike. Bad game. Yeah. <clears throat> but before we get into that, before we get into the Vikings' failure to win against the division foe at the division foe. Let's just take a little look around the league here, Mike. Why not? Why not? Look around the league and see kind of what, what storylines mattered there. Um, so starting off, you had the Colts pull out a victory. Um, I think everyone wrote them off. I think they're, what, 2-0 and now? Uh, no. No, 1-1. They yeah, lost the Chargers beat them late last uh, overtime, actually. I believe week one they lost. But managed to pull out the victory this week. Um, I think it was Colts victory, 13-12, to if I'm not mistaken. So... Colts still aren't dead. They're still fighting for that AFC South. Um, at this point, I don't know how much it's going to matter with the Patriots getting Antonio Brown, but, you know, we'll see how that all pans out. Um, Dolphins are bad, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Dolphins uh, would appear to be on, uh, potentially on pace for being maybe one of the historically... I think they're, what, tied for second at the most points allowed in the, the first two weeks? No, tied for first, aren't they? I'm shocked that it's not far away. Well, okay, there there was a team way back, like in the '40s, that technically beat them. That and that team in the '40s, you know how many points they had over the course of four games? Six. Six. And it happened in one game. So that team way back in the '40s had one game where they scored points. Wow. That's just that's impressive. <sighs> the Dolphins suck. 49ers off to two and zero. Yeah. Good hot start. Yep. Put up, put up some points, too, this week. Yeah. Uh, you got to keep in mind that that 49ers team had a lot of uh, a lot of high aspirations going into last season before they were ultimately derailed by, you know, you had the McKinnon injury, you had the Jimmy G injury. Um, I believe they had a couple of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, yeah, not that surprising that all of a sudden they get a little bit of health, a um, little bit of uh, experience last year from, from guys uh, like Matt Breda, who we're producing now. And, yeah, good start. A nice road win against Cincinnati, a team that almost won week one against Seattle. So, um, you know, not saying Cincinnati is necessarily uh, great, but, great I mean, but still, anytime you can go in, and I, I believe that would have been moment. Cincinnati's home opener. So 41 to 10, um, I believe it was, right? 41 17. 17, yeah. they did score TV late, but. Yep, so, yeah, big win. 49ers look like they're real. And, uh,. One of the teams we'll have to keep an eye on in the NFC. Speaking of another team that looks pretty real, how about the Ravens with Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Second week in a row is putting up numbers, putting up stats. Um, now, I don't know how sustainable that is, but, I mean, if you're a Ravens fan, you got to be feeling pretty good about that. If you're a Lamar fan, you got to be feeling pretty good about that, you know. <clears throat> so, I think the sky's the limit for that team. If they can stay healthy, they can keep him rolling. I wouldn't change a dang thing from what they're doing. 
Yeah, he uh, ran for 120 yards after throwing for five touchdowns last week. So um, just a player that can really beat you, you know, multiple ways. And, I mean, I also want to give some props for the Arizona Cardinals to maintain. I mean, they lost 23-17 in a game that was Kept it uh, at Baltimore. So Kyler Murray threw for, I think, 350 yards. Um, you know, they are 0-1-1 now. Uh, but, you know, Detroit's two or Detroit's uh, a team that, you know, technically is undefeated. Um, and then also you have Baltimore. So Arizona's played a couple of decent uh, games, and I think that they're maybe performing a little bit better than people expected having Murray come in and start right out the gate. Sure, so we'll see if that inexperience comes back to bite them at any, at any point in the season. I mean, like you said, they're 0-1-1, so they're not off to a great start. But um, yeah, I think you have to be happy if you're a Cardinals fan right now. Um, he's showing that he's he's able to keep the team in, in some yeah. of these games. So um, things looking up and up there. Uh, let's see. Chiefs put up 28 in a single quarter, and they didn't score again in any other quarter. Yeah. Um, just insane. Mahomes is, is off to another insane pace this year. Um, I'm so kind of curious if he can maintain it, but all signs point to them not slowing down. Right. There's a stat out there. I think it's like five of the quarterbacks have five games with something like 450 yards or something like that, and – like four touchdowns or something like that and he he's tied for them and that was career for these other quarterbacks and he's he, he just played his 22nd yeah. game and he's already at that level yeah like this kid's gonna be good this is this is next generation of quarterback here that we're gonna see for a very long time hopefully barring injuries and i i think if you're a football fan you got to be excited about this kid no i mean we we mentioned in you know the preview for the nfl show that i think without question he's probably the most dynamic player in the league today and um, is able to essentially single-handedly, you know, make the Chiefs a, a Super Bowl contender. So uh, it'll be interesting here to see if the Chiefs explore, uh, you know, trading for some of these defensive backs that now are rumored to uh, want out of certain teams because <clears throat> I think there's a, a real chance that they can improve that defense to, um, you know, help ease the pressure off of this offense. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know they they lose Tyree Kill for I think something like six to eight weeks, and and all Didn't of a sudden even you know they put up another twenty eight in one quarter, and, yeah. and they're they're two and zero. Oh. Yeah, it's a it, it's scary team, and you know the Vikings will play them later in the season, so we'll see uh, firsthand what the Zimmer defense can actually do to try to slow down Mahomes. But uh, that's in the future. That's a different podcast. Rams versus the Saints. Uh, Saints got thrashed, but. They also had Teddy in for most of the game. Breeze got injured, I think, fairly early. Wasn't it, like, end of the first quarter, early second? Yeah, Teddy was in for a fair amount of the game, so... No, I want to preface this with saying both of us are fans of Teddy. I think a lot of people out in the Twitterverse are fans fans of Teddy, and some aren't. Um, I want to say, though, like, if if you're looking at Teddy's performance in this game and you're saying, oh, he sucks, he's not, he's not going to be able to do anything, the Saints are dead... I, think you're wrong on that you have a pretty good offensive mind in sean payton and by pretty good i mean like top handful of the league he's gonna cater a game plan that's that plays teddy's strengths right, right. now teddy and breeze they're i think two entirely different schemes of passing and, and what you need to, to tailor their game plan for each of those individuals so you go in there with the Taylor game plan with Teddy Bridgewater, knowing he's your starter, he's getting reps with the ones, I think you're going to see a drastically different game than you saw at the, the later half of this game. Yeah, I would agree, and I think knowing Peyton, um, they probably already have uh, plans in place for this, right? Um, you know, Absolutely. Hey, we, if, unfortunately, we need to uh, have Bridgewater, who is the most expensive backup quarterback in the league. So like seven-some-odd million or something yeah, like that? Yeah, and, and you're not going to pay a guy that much money unless you know you think 
there's there's it's I shouldn't say expectation, but um, you but know, you believe he's he's of the caliber to warrant yeah, that cash. Yeah, and, and also that there's a possibility. Uh, Breeze being a little bit older, um, you know, I, I think that they they probably have a plan, just like you said, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Um, you know, in the next few weeks, I believe Breeze is out for uh, roughly six. Minimum of six, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do and how they fare. Yeah, um, I think everything's up in the air there. It's just going to matter on, on how good they scheme with Teddy. Um, so, waiting up to last night, Falcons barely escaped the Eagles. Um, kind of a wonky game at the end there if you kind of watch the, the last quarter of that or so. Uh, man, that was a back-and-forth game. That was a battle. Um, so, Falcons put them away and they're both one and one now so i don't know if there's much more to say about that and matty ice didn't didn't melt no bounce back uh big win for them over over in the eagles a, a team that again a lot of people have uh going pretty far into the playoffs so um i think it just you know uh, provides more value to that big victory the vikings had uh a week ago which seems oh so far away uh yep. on a day like this but <laughs> we'll get into that here shortly we're almost done with our run of the week, then we'll have the, the North face, a new segment here. Um, so, like we said, Breeze off for six weeks. Another quarterback goes down. Big Ben, done for the year with an elbow injury. Um, I would say, honestly, possibly done for his career based on where he's been recently with uh, um, wanting to retire, thinking about retiring. So, I guess, where do we see this going? Like this, I can't see a situation where this ends up um, well for the Steelers long term. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you have a lot of new faces, right? You lose an Antonio Round, you lose uh, Bell. Levy and Bell, and now you lose Big Ben. You, you lose the killer bees that was really the identity of this team for so long. So um, certainly in, in Juju and James Conner, you have some players that were able to step in and fill that role. Uh, but now you look at a, a Mason Rudolph to come in and really fill some pretty big shoes uh, from from Big Ben. So um, I I got to be with you on this one. I think this probably derails this season. And, uh, you know, I think Tomlin and company there have to make some decisions about, you know, the identity of this football team and where they want it to go, uh, not only the rest of this season, but, you know, potentially where they envision this next year. Um, you know, it, it might turn into a rebuild a little bit sooner than they expected. Sure, with all those pieces leaving, and like you said, possibly Big Ben being down, you know, you never know what a guy's going to be at after he comes back from an injury like that, a long-term injury. Um, so, but anything else around the league before we get into the North Face? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, the North Face here. Now, not affiliated with the company at all. It's a segment name, so don't sue us, please. The North Face, talking about the NFC North in specifics. Um, we played Green Bay, so we'll get into that a little bit here. But Detroit, like we said, pulled a win over the Chargers in the fourth. Um, I think they're trailing most of this game. End up coming back with a touchdown, I think, early in the fourth quarter and holding them off. Like we said in our preview show, our, our NFC North preview, the this Detroit team is is legit. They're they're a decent team, and they're going to pull out some wins like this. Um, so, guess, where do we feel about these guys in the division right now? They're I think they're they're above us in the division. I think, aren't they? Yeah, they don't have a loss, so I mean so they're, they're one, they're one, one. wins. Yeah. Um, so they would be sitting right behind Green Bay at this moment in time, and I, I think. Uh, <clears throat> You know, until they get into some divisional games, we'll we'll start to learn a little bit about more about them. But uh, Chargers are a good football team. Granted, they they've had some injuries. They have Melvin Gordon sitting out. But um, for me, you know, Kenny Galladay had a huge game, uh, over 100 receiving yards. Like thanks for a fantasy team there, Galladay. Um, 
Carryon Johnson had a couple of really incredible plays uh, and, and also looks like the real deal. So uh, they have the weaponry on offense now. And... I, I think you got his last name wrong. It's uh, it's my wayward son. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, as you and I mentioned, we, we had them flirting with a playoff spot. And, you know, it certainly looks like maybe Chicago, uh, even though they, they, as we'll just talk about, got a, a big win in the last moments here. Chicago hasn't really looked up to the level uh, that they were last year. I think Green Bay has uh, inexplicably somehow started 2-0. and and then yeah. you, you have Minnesota now, which I think we've got a lot of questions, which we'll address here later. So I mean, I mean, we were talking beginning of the season that Green Bay could potentially start 0-3 based on the opponents and, and where we kind of saw them going. And here, we're the reverse of that. They could potentially start 3-0. Yeah. No, it's it's a, kind of a weird situation right now in the division. And I think if you're a Lions fan, you, you feel really good about uh, coming out and, and you don't have a loss yet at the end of the day. So, yeah, they're in a good spot. Um, so as you go to Chicago, uh, wins kind of a wacky game in Denver. If, yeah. If you didn't watch any of this game, I encourage you to try to find some some broadcast of it. You can go back and take a look at because I think the last five minutes of game time in this game were absolutely crazy. You go from um, Denver down by seven, they go for the t- they get the touchdown. And now they're down by one. They decide they're gonna they're gonna go for two. Okay. And I think what they they get a delay penalty or something like that. So they got a penalty, brought him back five yards. They said, okay, we're no longer going to go for two. We're going to kick it. On the kick, there's an offsides. <laughs> Brings them back up five yards. <laughs> By the way, I think that kick was missed. Wasn't it missed? I, you'd have to we, we I, I'd have have to, to I'm pretty sure yeah. the kick was missed. Anyway, so then they get brought back up to the two. They decide to go for two again. Okay, Just a weird turn of events. They make the two. They're up by one. Now, my question is this. If they don't go for the two there, if they go for the tie and they, they go to play it in overtime, if they go for that, do they still lose this game? Because I'm not sure they do. No, yeah, I, I mean, it's tough to say, but I, I would tend to, to lean the direction you're going there. And I, I put this out on Twitter, and it turned out to be completely false when I put this out. Like, too much time for Trubisky? It turned out to be true, and I'm sad I put that out because uh, I was being sarcastic, and it turned out that I was actually right. Yeah. Big field goal at the end. Also, clutch for that field goal. Just officiating wise, isn't it kind of kind of wonky that they allowed them to get a second back on that clock? The guy gave no one touched the guy. Yeah, like you, you, I don't know. That was a little bit squirrely to me. That that should be like bang bang time expired. He didn't make it. Well, it'll be interesting. The NFL has a variety of plays that I think they'll comment on here in the next couple of days and. Well, the NFL has some explaining to do because they've been inconsistent with applying every single rule and every single challenge I've seen this year. Right. And I'm not just saying that because we got screwed on a couple. There have been some other games where it's like, what are you doing? Like the Saints game, blowing that, that play dead. Like, what are you doing? This makes no sense, but that's a, that could be a whole other podcast getting into the rats, Mike. Right. I, I, I put this out there to, to PFF on Twitter. I want them to actually do PF, PFF grades on referees. Uh, there you go. On calls correct, on, on spotting the ball. Like, I want to see the rating of, of the spot placement, you know, and the first down markers and all that crap. I want to see, like, uh, time management when they actually stop the clock properly. I want to see all that. I mean, it's honestly not that bad of an idea uh, because, you know, then they get graded out, and, and ultimately as you move into the playoffs, you, you can go with the most consistent, um, you know, or, yeah. or accurate official. If, if you're the NFL, I think I'd be paying for that. I'd be like, absolutely do that. Give us an unbiased opinion. Right. 
And then we can actually see what's going on. We can actually see, okay, this guy is, has a high tendency to throw bad flags. Right. So then when you're in the playoffs, when these games really matter, you're not putting out these, these subpar crews that are going to cost people games and make it frustrating. Yep. No, I'm with you. So that's that. I think that's it for the North Face. Unless you got any other point to make before we get into the, the Vikings no. Packers no, recap. No, let's get into this okay. mess. And it is a mess, Mike. It is a mess. Um, start off with... Person at work, Packer fan. He said that the Vikings, or that the Packers didn't necessarily win this game. The Vikings lost. And that's 100% true. And somehow that hurts more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, it, it, yeah. For me, it's just, it hurts regardless, but. Yeah. The loss is a loss. doesn't matter how you get it, but we, we definitely took home the loss. Um, so, to kind of start with this game, this is how the game started, all right? Green Bay runs completely down the field. They score, right? Yep. Minnesota gets in, in field goal position. We miss a 47-yard field goal. Dan Bailey shouldn't be missing that kick, but he does. You're somehow still a believer of Dan Bailey, I'm, I'm assuming, at this point. Yeah, I'm still there. I am I am, I am. am completely out of the door on him. Just never kick another field goal again. Go for it on fourth down every time. I'm done with kickers. Okay. Done with it. Um, we'll also get, get further. I'm, I'm also done with quarterbacks as well. Right. So, um, so. Minnesota misses a field goal. Green Bay gets a short field. They drive 68 yards, get another touchdown. Okay. We have problems with the way the defense played. We'll get into that in a bit. Then Minnesota fumbles on their own 33, and Green Bay recovers. Now you put the defense in an impossible position where the best outcome is they're giving up three. And you're putting them on their heels again in a relatively short time span in a situation where they hadn't properly had time to adjust yet. All of a sudden, you're down 21 to zero. In a blink of an eye. Right. And I'm not joking when I say this. I almost turned this game off. And I have not turned a game off ever for the Vikings. Well, and I was there, and I couldn't turn it off. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> turn it off, but I was damn close after that. That was absolutely horrid start. As good as the start you had last week against Atlanta, this start was completely baffling the, the same way. Yeah. Everything was going wrong. Special teams was bad. Defense was bad. Offense was bad. I, there's no other way to put it. That was a complete letdown. Complete letdown. Now, we had a question that we put on Twitter. We had a question for fans. Was the 21-0 start more the Packers' offense or our defense? I want you to feel that one, and then I, I filled in my thoughts. So you, you can feel that one on your, your side. Well, I mean, I think, you know, very first play of the game, they go to Devontae Adams for, what, close to 40 yards. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that, you know, I, I sent you a message and I was just wondering what we were doing defensively because it seemed like the scheme was off. Uh, it didn't seem like Rhodes was shadowing Devontae Adams um, at, at, you know, all points in time. And, I mean, it come to find out Rhodes had, you know, not a, a very good game, just to put it. We're straight uh, at DB. Yeah, and probably nicely. Um, so I, I would say for me it was frustrating. The defense looked like it was, it was off. Now, I know, like you mentioned, they did get put into a couple difficult spots. Uh, but even but, still, like, like we'll get into it more deep, but like you said, this, they weren't playing that coverage properly. And, and it's just we, we've had this, now not to this level, but we've had this before, and I know it's a game of adjustments, but – uh, last year, we, we mentioned all the time, it seemed like the first drive of the game... First drive or two, uh, even. Oftentimes, the teams would go down, they'd have no problem moving the ball, and they'd, they'd put up the, you know, 7, 10, 14 points, and then they would finish with, you know... 17. 14, 17, whatever. Yeah. Um, we kind of go into lockdown mode, and, and obviously, uh, you know, yesterday, it was a similar situation, but 
Um, as far as the question 21 you know, I, I think it's, it's a combination, and I don't like going with that answer, right? But for me, it really was a combination. The, the defense looked off, and then you've got to give credit to uh, Rodgers and them for they actually executing, right? Rodgers looked absolutely phenomenal most of the game. I mean, he was still swinging it, even though we were locking down all of his targets. That first quarter was a clinic. Like, he was just shredding us. Right. At will. Well, I mean, I think there were receivers open on, on both sides of the ball, which we're obviously going to touch on here momentarily, but uh, Rodgers managed to, you know, certainly more often than his counterpart, uh, get the ball into a range that was actually catchable for those receivers. And, um, you know, at the end, they, they just built too big of a lead for us to overcome. Sure. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, so let's just get into the units here because I, I think we need to go unit by unit and kind of assess yeah. this. No, I would agree. Special teams mishaps. I mean, your first drive of the game, you go down there and you miss a field goal. You can't do that. You got that game is drastically different if you're down seven and you give away the possession, or if you're you're seven to three and you're kicking off. Yeah, drastically different. Um, so you can't miss that field goal, forty-seven yard field goal. What what is going on there? Yeah, and I you know again I was at the game, so um, I'm assuming it was probably clean snap, clean hold. I, you were probably watching it with audio. Did they say? Did they? It just looked like a straight miss to the left. Straight miss to the left. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it, it's frustrating. You come off of last week where he goes what four for four or in so. Extra points, yeah. Because um, there's no field goal attempts there. And, and you actually start to gain a little confidence, like right, uh, the 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 holders saying the right things. Bailey's feeling more comfortable. Um, it feels like we finally settled all of this. Special teams played incredibly well week one. They could right. not have played better in any asset or facet of the game. And then you come in. And as you're about to go down the rest of this item was on the list, it feels like we're back to square one. Right. Yeah, I mean, you missed a 47-yard field goal. I think yeah. there was at least one or two bobbled uh, punt returns um, from BB, which is endlessly frustrating because one of those is a half second away from being scooped up by the opposing team, and you're even in a worse hole. Um, you had that, that dumb penalty, which I still don't understand on digs. Like, when did that actually start where you can't take the helmet – off when you're off the field to play. I thought it was just off the field to play. You can take your helmet off, but apparently it's on the sidelines is the only spot you can do it. Yeah, I think he. I, th- I think you got to be over off to the sideline, and I think had he not kind of circled back across the end zone to get to, it might have been fine. Maybe, but I mean, he's got to be smarter than that. And I think uh, Zimmer was, you know, asked what he said to him and what the conversation was, and he said, "I'll keep that to myself," very sternly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, he it's. Ex- wasn't happy. It's excited. Diggs is excited, right? He's he's he could have had an absolute huge day. Um, he should have had three touchdowns realistically, and he had one catch for you know forty yards and a score. Yeah, so it should have been the one touchdown that Kirk completely missed. It should have been the one that was taken away from him from explanation that doesn't make any damn sense. Like, and then the one he had. Then the one he actually had. Yeah, he should have had a massive day, but instead he gets that that weird dumb penalty, which. Apparently now is is you can take that on the extra point kick, so they take it. They make they make the extra point kick what like a fifty three yard or something like that. Yeah, I mean, as much as we, you know, I know you have a whole thing with kickers, and I, I believe that the the extra point was blocked, correct? Correct. Um, Still doesn't take this. No, I'm just curious though. But yeah. blocked, so you, you know, you need Bailey to be automatic inside of. Uh, Inside, inside 50. 40. Inside 50. I, I would say when you start to get to the 47, 48 yarders, yes, you, you want to it's have Dan a, Bailey. You, you want to have a high percentage. I agree with you. It's Dan Bailey. And, and listen, I'm not I'm not excusing 
the two misses. Um, I'm not sure whose fault you put on the block. Haven't got a chance to rewatch that yet. Yeah. But um, am I concerned about the kicking game right now? No, that's the least of my concern at this exact moment in time. Uh, yeah, that 47-yarder, it's frustrating. You know, it, it ultimately puts us in a bad spot because you look at, at the end of the game, you know, if you tack three more points on there with that make, all of a sudden you're able to be much more conservative. You're probably certainly running the ball there. Uh, because you know that you just need a field goal to take a lead, but which which uh, which touchdown was Diggs? Was that the second one that we had? Yes, I believe so. Okay, well let me just double check that because I have a strong point with that missed forty-seven yard field goal and how important that is. No, I, I and I'm not. I mean, I'm not. You know. Sorry for the audio. Okay, sorry about that. Um, Open up the NFL website here. No, I'm I'm not saying that. L- listen, I, it's week two, and I know that. Yes, it was. I know that kicking no. and, and missing. We could talk about it right now. I think there's bigger focuses. If all of a sudden we're still talking about this three or four weeks from now, then yeah. Here's well, here's my point with this. So you say that's not a big deal, but if you put it in perspective, okay, if we make that field goal, now we're all of a sudden 13 to 21 when Diggs makes that touchdown. Now we're now we're 19 to 21 on that extra point. Maybe Diggs doesn't get as chippy, and he, he doesn't do that. Now we get to go for two, and now we're in a tied situation. That missed field goal is absolutely massive. Massive. Yeah, I, again, I'm not, in the whole scheme of things, it, it's huge. And, he's, and, and Bailey's got to do his job, and we're about to get to another player that needs to start to do his job. Um, and you're right, these kicks need to start going in. I, I will say it'd probably be a little bit higher level of concern if this was a missed extra point from the normal distance and a missed 32-yarder. Um, but, you know, let's just hope we don't have to bring up kicking here for another couple weeks. I hope that every single time we, we have to be bringing it up, and, but, yeah, it still comes around. And it's, like I said, as a Vikings fan, I think at some point you just have to realize there is something about kicking in this team. You just, you just never kick again. Until you get that first Super Bowl, then you can start kicking again. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, you cross your fingers and, you know. You're holding your breath every single kick. Like, right. We could honestly get the best kicker in the league the last three three years. I bet he'd be a 50% kicker here. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's baffling, man. It's baffling. I don't get it. Um, anyway, moving on. Special teams, anything else we want to touch there? I no, think I, I think let's just let's hope that that takes care of itself. All right. So, next topic will be the defense, but we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk defense, offense, and just looking forward to next year, not next year, next week, um, maybe someone next year. But um, So, we'll be right back after this break. All right, and we are back here to talk a little bit about the defense and kind of the letdown they had um, in the start of this game. So, obviously, rough first quarter. Absolutely, massively rough first quarter. Um, Playing way too soft on Adams. I didn't understand this, and maybe you saw something else being at the stadium from your vantage point, but I I don't get why you're giving him a seven-yard cushion. It's Devontae Adams and and Aaron Rodgers. You can't let that guy get a free release. Yeah, I like I said, when I was messaging you, I, it made no sense to me. Um, you could see it on the lineup that there were a couple times where it's just like, what what are you doing right now? They're, they're going to throw the ball to him, and then they did. <laughs> um and I think when you put Rodgers in those situations, he, he he's so good at identifying those things. Yeah. And you know the ball's going to go there right out the gate. And so I don't know, um, talking or listening to uh, 
Zim's conference room both after the game and then today after they had a chance to rewatch it. Um, he says they were making some mistakes uh, specifically in the secondary, um, kind of on that back end. So I don't know if that was uh, miscommunication from who needed to be where or what, but uh, it was definitely frustrating, baffling, and you know it's it's unfortunate that um, you know we weren't able or we weren't able to keep Adams uh, nearly as in check. Um, as, you know, maybe a Julio Jones the week right. before or something along those lines. And, I mean, nothing against Adams. He, he is he's a great, great wide receiver. And historically, we haven't actually, like, blanked him ever. He's always gotten some pretty healthy yardage against our best. So he, he to me, is, is top-tier wide receiver. Yeah. We, no. we've, we've blanketed Antonio Brown for, for less yardage than Devontae Adams has taken on us. He, he's just insane. He's, he's that good. Um, but you blinked and you were down by 21 and this game just felt like it was over. Now, obviously we clawed our way back and the defense clamped down. Um, but we have, this leads us into a fan question number two. How much would Alexander and Gideon have helped the, the defensive laps in the first quarter? Um, thoughts on Metters and Boyd when our C, uh, CBs are depleted. Now, <clears throat> how much do I think it hurt? I think on some level it hurts. I think Gideon is a better run stuffer than than any linebacker you have in there. Same with uh, Mac Alexander. He's been playing very well in the slot late last year and into this year. However, the two highest defensive grades we have are the two guys that came into play in uh, in J. Ron Kirst and Eric Wilson. So I can't see much to the the, the two in that. Uh, that was a hindrance against us. I think it was scheme-wise. Personnel-wise, those guys were in for almost all the snaps that um, the two they were replacing would normally be in for. And they were lights out. So, like you said, it, maybe it was some misalignments in the, the first bit, and maybe that was part of it, where they didn't exactly know where to be for those couple plays, and they ended up recovering very strong. I'm not certain, but I don't know. It just didn't seem like that mattered as much personnel-wise. It was more scheme-wise that we were messing up. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think maybe you have a, a Mac Alexander where they might have had a couple other uh, plays drawn up for him um, that maybe try to make an, an impact on a specifically one play or, or you know, one or two plays here or there, and you, and you roll the dice, you take a risk. But overall, it just looked like the scheme was off, and I think that uh, you know, the bigger flaws were really in some of our other playmakers, guys who right. typically are showing up week in and week out. Um, so, but yeah. Harrison Smith had an absolutely phenomenal game. Well, that's, Crazy. I mean, it's you just chalk that up every single week, right? It's, it's you know, what you come to expect, but like at this point in his career, he's getting older and you'd think he'd be slowing down. No, not a chance. Nope. I, I think that, you know, as we're going to talk about here, a couple guys that, um, you know, didn't have good games, Rhodes being one of them, uh, you know, and I, I think it's fair to blame you because, you know, I questioned Rhodes coming into the season, and right after game one, you posted mm-hmm. how he was, you know, all the way back, and, and uh, yeah. I would say that ultimately you caused uh, his down game here. Uh, I, I caused it? Week two, yeah, so. Well, okay. <laughs> Can I blame Kirk on you then? Yeah, might as well. Okay, cool. Um, I'm good with that trade. I'll take that trade. No, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's a tough matchup, and you're right. Uh, Adams has uh, done a nice job at, at still getting, um, 
you know, still getting those points here or there, but it, it didn't feel, I guess, it, it's, it hasn't felt like it did here this week where he was really a, a difference maker. Um, and I don't know. I just, it's, it's frustrating that the defense takes a little bit of time to get into that lockdown mode. I just, right. it doesn't necessarily make sense to me. I get that you need to make some adjustments here and there, but, um, why why do you have to give up so much to them? Why, why, why does it take three series and 21 points? Yeah, and, and I know they're coming off a, a great performance where, you know, we were up 28-0. to zero. But um, I, I, part of the frustration with this team on both sides of the ball or every aspect of it, we just talked about it for special teams. Now we're talking about it for defense. It's like, what are you going to get every single week? And I remember having this exact conversation last year that you you go into each game not knowing who's going to come to play, what's going to work, what's not going to work. There's zero consistency. Right. On individual player bases, on the team as a whole, on a unit as a whole, any given week we can be the best team in the NFL, but or we, we can, can also lose at home to Buffalo by 20 points. It's just right. it doesn't add up. I don't feel like you have uh, that big of a discrepancy uh, consistently across other NFL teams. I just... We feel like this one-off team that, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't know what, what they can do. I mean, I guess you hope that they find some consistency like they did in, you know, 2017, 2015, where they're constantly actually putting up good defensive performances. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm frustrated like you are. I'm sure like many Vikings fans are. It's it's getting tiring. We had an entire year of this last year, and I, I can't go through another year like this. It's, it's going to be mind-breaking because all the pieces are here. If you look at any other team in the league, you put it talent for talent, player for player, we're up there. We're yeah. top five. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. It's not even a, a contest. But then they just sometimes, sometimes have games where you just you don't show up. And when you do, it's too late. So, I don't know. Yeah. One bright shot. One, actually, two bright spots here. Hercules. Mafaata. What a bad Mafaata that guy is, huh? Whew. That guy's shining out, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can look at, uh, you know, a few players that, you know, had some nice games. And, you know, that can be exciting. It's some of the guys that do it week in and week out in Harrison Smith. Um, and then you have some new players that emerge, like Hercules, and, and, and they come up and, you know, it gets you excited because they're young, they're talented. For the other form, um, Hercules, second round or second year guy, first year he I think he tore his ACL in, in camp. Uh, yeah, um, So put on IR early, but um, first year, year, first real year of playing time, and I think he's been taking full advantage of his time he's been given. Yeah, no, it, it's um, those are the things that you hope you can continue to build on. Uh, that they you know watch the tape, they see that they played a great game, and they continue to to get better. Um, we just need to fix the other pieces. The uh, I think I saw Anthony Barr did not have a great game grade-wise. Um, you know, Rhodes, not, not a great game uh, grade-wise. And, and I know grades aren't necessarily everything. You, you probably either love them or hate them. I know you have that kind of a relationship with them. Um, well, like, I, like I say, like I try to preface um, a lot of people where they just they zoom in on grades and they don't understand. The grades are an excellent tool, all right? But if you have... If you have a uh, a recip saw, right, and you're using it to drill a hole, you're going to make a pretty crappy hole. Right. You have to understand what the tool is meant to do and what the tool's limitations are. So PFF grades, if you look at it, they are 
as close as you can get to a completely unbiased look, and you're, you're nailing down and you're, you're grading one specific thing on every single play, and you're doing that for several different things on every single play. Does that fully represent what that player does? No. Is it a completely unbiased and and one, one look at one aspect? Yes. So as long as you understand that, the grading system works and it works fine. Right. But they're never going to always be completely accurate of what the player means right. to the team. And sometimes, like, for instance, Garrett Bradbury posted a very low grade. However, I don't think he was that detrimental to the team. But we'll get to the offense here in a second. But um, what, what were we talking about that I interrupted you on? Uh, grades. So I was talking yes. about how I thought Rhodes had uh, – I thought I saw he had a pretty low score for um, – Yeah, so Rhodes overall 51.5, which is not the lowest total, but it's it's down there. It's yeah. the lowest for a starter by far. No, Barr. You're talking about Barr. Um, Barr had the lowest grade of a starter. Oh, yeah, I did 46. say – That's right. Yeah, I said Barr was, and then I assumed that Rhodes did. But, um, yeah, I mean, individual performance – you know, whatever it, it's, we have different ways that we can look at this. Um, just frustrating to go down twenty-one zero, but then at the same time, great that they come in lockdown for really what was, you know, over three quarters of play. Uh, so let's hope that you build on it. Obviously, as we'll touch on here at the very end of the show, I think you've got a great opportunity at home next week against an Oakland Raider team that you should be better than. Um, so you know, hopefully we're able to get a victory there. Uh, but I don't know any, anything else defensively. Um, um, as far as what goes, just, just overall, you know, before we kind of shift over to the, the main talking point. Sorry. I had, I had their week one and two. So Xavier Rhodes last bar, second to last grades for, for week two. Um, last thing I think Kendrick's, uh, Kendrick's had an absolutely phenomenal game, uh, fifth best grade. Um, but he was making tons of plays um, yeah. in in the secondary and had a really nice pass breakup late that would have been devastating. So um, thought he put on a very nice, very nice clinic of how to play that that role. So um, defense wise, I think I think that's pretty much it. We got to get better at clamping down earlier. I and, mean, they, and they got to just you have to be more consistent. You yeah, know? frustratingly inconsistent, but. One last bright spot, Everson Griffin, completely back to his, his previous form. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's big. Just a monster. Uh, just had a monster day. Made Bakhtiari look like a fool. And honestly, he was probably held on, on half a dozen plays there as well. So um, I think he had like six or seven pressures on yeah, Bakhtiari. Huge. So. That, that's huge that he's back. Massive. Um, yeah, so looking down the stretch, I think that's that's going to be great for the Vikings. That can only get better. Well, I mean, we touched on that in the preview show, and, and I think we both said, you know, we, we probably thought, more likely than not, we were not going to see him come back to that form. And uh, the fact that he has is huge. Uh, you know, we just need to be able to get get pressure uh, when teams game plan it for it. And I, I thought that was something this week that, uh, especially early on, Rodgers looked pretty comfortable. You could tell right away they were they had clearly had a plan coming in where he was dropping back, he was getting rid of that football. Um, but but later in the game, he saw more pressure. You did. He saw, he saw his clock speed up a little bit. Yep. Again, yeah. But again, then then your DBs were doing the right things, right. assumably. So it's like complimentary off each other. Yep. I, I just you had to have known that coming in, coming off the pressure we had, that you know they were going to scheme to get rid of the ball quickly. So why aren't you opening with a defense that assumes that? And it just right. <sighs> Anyways, we we don't want to go back down that. Loop. That's a whole other podcast, you know. Yeah. Hopefully next week it'll be better. We'll see. Um, so on offense, kind of baffling some of the stuff, but 
Um, starting off with the high note, Delvin is the real freaking deal here, Mike. Yeah. Um, absolutely eight. He had a 75-yard touchdown. Um, after that point, after I saw that touchdown, I'm like, okay, we got a shot in this game because he breaks off one of those. Now all of a sudden, your two-possession game, you get the ball at the end of the half or the, at the, the third quarter. Um, you might have a chance to double dip there with the way that the, the clocks was working out. So just huge, absolutely huge that he breaks that. And that doesn't get broken without this, this revelation, and I think it is a pure revelation of the Vikings O-line and their, their running offense. So um, Klein and O'Neal have had the best grades of our O-line over the, the first two weeks here, absolutely crushing it. If you were hesitant about the O'Neal pick, this is exactly what I expected when when we uh, picked up O'Neal or not picked up O'Neal, picked up Klein as a free agent, because the majority of his career he has graded high, and then he had one down year in uh, Tennessee, and now he's back to that form. He's grading high, he's doing well, and O'Neal, you thought he was a project coming out two years ago when he drafted him, came in for the injured hill, has not relinquished that starting job, and has only gotten better. Yep. His, his ceiling just keeps on going up and up and up, and I'm excited for the right side of this line. I'm excited, man. No, and I, and I think that you're going to gain the excitement too with, with uh, Bradbury um, over time, right? You know, it, it, it takes a little bit for them to get going, get, uh, get adjusted to NFL game speed, but, you know, going back to that, that right side, yeah, it's really exciting. And, and, you know, overall theme here of Dalvin you heard me say time and time again every single show we talked about coming into this year that I thought he has the potential to be um, a top three, you know, fantasy back, a top three running back, if you will, in this league, and you're seeing it. Um, Anytime he touches the ball, he's a threat to break one. Yeah, I think I saw he had one carry that didn't result in positive yardage yep. uh, this week. So, um, you know, as we all unfortunately get to uh, an inst- a huge decision that that uh, happened at the end of the game. Yes. It makes it even more baffling when you hear statistics like that that he did not get the ball in that scenario. Um, but overall, Dalvin looks great. I think um, Madison also looks fantastic. Um, Absolutely. Early I, on, honestly, for my money, best one-two punch if you're a pure running team. Even if you're doing some passing, because Dalvin and Madison can both do that. But for running purposes, best one-two punch. In the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean the it, run game. It doesn't game, even seem like they, they slow down when Madison's there instead of Dalvin. No, the run game has looked great. They're getting yardage in chunks. Uh, so that's exciting. I think that's one thing that clearly has been consistent through two games. Um, so let's hope that, you know, that can maintain. And now we just got to figure out um, those times where, you know, you have to have someone throw a ball to another member of the team uh, successfully. So before we get into that, I want to touch one more time on my my boy Garrett Bradbury because he actually got infinitely better in pass blocking. So week one he got a zero point zero grade in pass blocking. This week, what is it? What is that? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Sixteen point three. Infinitely better. Ooh. He's getting better. He's getting better. You know. There you go. Um, no, but the thing with Garrett Bradbury is I don't see him being such a huge detriment. I think that this grade is a lot lower than the eye test when you look at him. In the run game, I think he's he's super effective. Um, it doesn't really show there. It shows kind of high 50s, which is still pretty good. I, I think he's a, a little bit more effective than that. But what you look at with these rookies, so they come in, they don't have the functional strength, and you've seen that the last two weeks. You've seen Grady Jarrett, and you've seen, um, who was it, Clark in this one? Kenny Clark, Kenny yeah, Clark. yeah. Both pretty heavy power rushers, and it's shown that he doesn't have the functional strength to deal with them. 
but his technique is sound, his footwork is sound, he gets out in space really well and gets to that second level when he's asked to in the run game. So this guy's got a high ceiling. He might not be grading out well right now, but you give him the course of this season, you give him a full off season next year, he is going to be good. He's going to be really good. He's going to be Jason Kelsey good. Ooh. So he, he's there, man. All right. You just you got to be patient with him. You got to let him build that strength. He's going to get there. Okay. So last last thing on the old line, I swear. Probably All not right. what it is. Um, so next point on offense, Mike. We got a couple turnovers on defense, and you get nothing off of them. Right. You can't do that. The defense is giving you gifts all over this game, and you just you do nothing with it. You squander it. Yeah, and that's the opposite, right, of the week prior where we scored all 28 points off turnovers. So, um, you know, certainly frustrating. Uh, a lot of frustrations on this side of the ball. And, uh, you know, a lot of penalties, a lot of fumbles, a lot of turnovers. We had an interception. We, it, it just, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can look at where we need to improve. And I think that the points off turnovers is one of them, you know, and, and you talk about how, especially on the road, if you can win a turnover battle, um, it usually results in good things, especially if you're able to run the ball at the clip, we were able to run the ball. Uh, so we should have won this game with a negative two turnover. Right. Right. Ratio, which is insane. Um, next thing on my list, Mike, like, the refs, I get it if they're going to call it even. If they're going to be ticky-tacky with P.I., be consistently ticky-tacky with P.I. I'm sorry, there is not four offensive pass interferences in a single game for one team. It just doesn't happen. Like, it just doesn't. Either you're going to be ticky-tacky on both sides of the ball, or not at all and let him play. But the stuff that I saw that the Packers were doing to RDBs, that's what we were doing and getting called on. And I know they're going to be conspiracy theorists, and I think they, they might even have a point that always seems in Lambo we always get these weird, crappy calls that go against us. But damn, man, like nine flags for 105 yards. What the hell? Yeah, uh, 20 penalties so far this year, I believe. And I would agree that there seems to be a, a little bit of a lack of consistency. Um it's frustrating. You you had uh, again Zimmer today in his press conference was frustrated. He said he thought, uh, you know, the call on ultimately on Dalvin, which was never really announced to. It sounds like the team or uh, certainly at the stadium was not conveyed what happened. And it sounds like if you watched it on TV, it wasn't really uh, clear either. Um, but that call was questionable. Uh, I think that entire process that they're essentially able to review scoring plays and look for penalties ridiculous. away from the ball is ridiculous. Uh, but it, it sounds like Zimmer was frustrated that their the Green Bay receivers uh, didn't have some offensive pass interferences called on them, especially with the couple that were called on us between Diggs. Dylan, right, like I said, if you're going to um, call that stuff, call right, it you got to be consistent. Like, I'm fine if it's consistently both ways. Yeah. But you you, you got to be somewhat consistent. Like, they had one late, but by that time it didn't matter. Yep. Um, and, and then, you know, also we have to clean up the stuff that, uh, you know, we can fix, right? You know, you, you can't extend the arm as, as a receiver against the DB. You need, you know, we got to get better at the, at the holding the, from the center position. You can't do the position, stupid thing you know? with Diggs taking off the helmet. Right. So they need to get smarter. They need to be more disciplined here. Uh, it's ridiculous the amount of penalties that we have had, and I, I realize that some of those Two are... Two weeks, I think, over 100 yards. Yeah, I think it's been 11 and 9. I think it's 20 penalties. That's, um, that's you, not you a good You can't average yet. 10. I mean, that's no. that's a Raiders team from a couple of years past when, you know, they they were 
getting 10 a game. Right. Um, and you can start to actually game plan for the fact that you're going to, you know, have that going in. So we need to clean that up. I think that's not characteristic of a, of a Zimmer-led team. So I would expect that to change, and I would expect that to change this week. Um, but it, it definitely did not help uh, no. on, a, on a road game. So In, in fact, it hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Because penalties suck. Anyway. So... Off of penalties, Mike. Bad, Kirk. Holy hell. Yeah. This is quite possibly one of his worst games I think I've ever seen him play. Uh, yeah, I believe it, it probably was his worst game. Um, I know I saw that he this game was graded lower than any game Christian Ponder played. No. Yes, I saw that. That was my probably my favorite stat I saw today on Twitter. Me? Okay, uh, I, okay, I gotta check this out for myself. Keep talking, I'm gonna check this out. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think that for me, uh, always try to be optimistic. So I, I, I love the signing, and, and I think we both did. We thought that he was brought in to essentially take a team and put them over the hump. Um, but ultimately, at some point, you know, you have to admit that uh, maybe he's not going to be that player, and, and you might have to change the way that. Um, you know, you, you, you go about thing the way that you game plan, the, 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 the player that you expected him to be, he's not that. Uh, and I think for me, you know, it, 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 it still was probably the right decision. Um, I, I didn't want Keenum here. Uh, I, I don't know that Bridgewater was ever really an option that they actually entertained and thought about. Um, but at the end of the day here, you've got another 30 games with Cousins. Uh, and we need to ride this thing out. But he was he was bad. He was horrible. Um, multiple fumbles. A horrible interception uh, on a play that the Vikings just had last week against Atlanta, uh, where we intercept Matt Ryan on a rollout throw to the corner, and we're like, why would you throw that ball? Cousins talked about it going into this week. They said, hey, you can't do this. You can't ever do this. What does he do? Rolls out and 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 does it in in a. Big situation with the game on the line. I just verified that fact, Mike. He's worse than Christian Ponder. Yeah. I saw that was uh, my favorite stat. I just... I didn't want to think about Ponder in this situation, Mike. So essentially, I think it's probably safe to assume that Christian Ponder... We would have won that game uh, with Christian Ponder at the helm. Oh, yeah. So... Um, no, there were missed... Is, is Christian Ponder free agent? Oh, probably. Um, Pick him up! <laughs> there were missed throws. Uh, Diggs was wide open uh, on a long ball that he missed, and, and it wasn't particularly close, right? Diggs did a full dive at full speed, full extension. Don't believe he actually got fingers on it. No, it, um, it was still like a, like a yeah, football and a half. So that's a four or five yard overthrow. Uh, he missed Diggs on another big third down play where the ball was up. You know, kind of uh, missed Rudy. Uh, if you haven't mentioned that, yep, yeah, he 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 was missing throws all over. He looked flustered. Um, it just it was a poor performance, and and that's probably putting it lightly. So uh, I think I'm I'm out on the cousins uh, thought that he is going to be able to come in, and this was going to be almost like a breeze going to New Orleans type of thing. I really thought cousins had a chance to. Uh, kind of resurrect and, and right the ship and, and really have a great career here. We've seen it throughout the la- throughout the league at, at various times that you need a change of a system, a change of pace, a fresh start. 
Uh, but I think Cousins is Cousins at this point. I mean, you look at the optimism that at least I know me and you shared. He comes from Washington where he doesn't really have good weapons. He comes here. He's got Stephon Diggs. He's got he's got Thielen. He's got Cook that's going to be coming back. You know, he has a bunch of weapons. He has a solid defense for once where he's not required to put up 30 points just to be competitive in games anymore. Um, and then you get the performance last year. And, okay, the argument is there, oh, well, you know, it's – the O-line was bad, you know, the the coordinator was bad, it was his first year with the system, he's learning new guys. None of those excuses apply anymore. This game is is completely baffling to me from, from his standpoint. Like, you know your receivers. You're not asked to do a whole lot in this game. The running game is working perfectly. You're not asking to you're not asked to, to make super complicated throws. Just hit one of them. Just hit it. It doesn't right. matter. Like and like you said, I think he is what he is at this point. It's he's gonna have games that are completely baffling, and if he hit it at the right time, maybe you make a playoff run, and, it, and none of that matters. He doesn't hit his bad games. He doesn't hit bad Kirk. But damn, it's frustrating when he does, because the defense played phenomenally, played miraculously in the last three quarters of this game, and gave them every chance, and they threw it away. Yeah, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, we all get paid to do a job. Um, you play to win the game. And, you know, you if you want to talk and get into the argument about $84 million and whether or not that's overpaid and, and whatever, that's that's one thing. But for me, he's a quarterback on an NFL team. He needs to be able to make throws and put them somewhere in the realm of where what is one of the better receiving cores in the NFL can catch and make one of the easiest reads possible in the end zone so i I think when you start to not do your job just like any other situation across the world um you have to start to think down and entertain other options and i'm not saying we're to that point yet and i think it would take uh another handful of games like this before you would entertain that right but um man the fact that a game like this could happen really starts to get you uh, thinking down those avenues that you never thought you were going to think down. This was not supposed to be something that um, this was not supposed to be something we even had to worry about. The, the idea was he came in here and we didn't have to worry about the quarterback position. That was the ultimate goal of this, right? right. You paid a man $84 million to know that you had consistency out of your quarterback. And I think last year, you know, overall we thought he had – um, a good year, we used some of the new system, things like that, and just expected to come in this year and he was going to dominate. And, and we saw some strong preseason play. Granted, we did see some overthrows to Diggs. And then you have week one where he only takes, you know, 10 passes and he looked pretty good for the most part, 8 of 10, uh, made the throws. And now you have a game like this. And it's like, well, where do you go from here? Because it's almost terrifying to, to ask the man to have to throw the ball 30 times a game. Right. It's... It's frustrating when everything else on the team is playing as well as it is to, to have one piece, one player, control that much of your destiny. Like You can say whatever you want about the first quarter of the defense. They sucked. Last three quarters of the game, defense was phenomenal. Run game was phenomenal. Receivers were getting open. And one player couldn't make that happen. One player couldn't hit those guys. One player couldn't make the correct decision on first and goal from the eight to put us in the lead. Speaking of that decision, yeah, why are we calling a pass play there? So, when I when I left that game, um, you know, when when he dropped back, I I was frustrated. I, I said, 
what are we, why are we passing the ball? I was frustrated leaving the game, thinking about it, um, giving myself an overnight, listening to the Zimmer, uh, listening to some other people talk about it. I understand they basically said they had run, 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 run. Green Bay was tired. They saw an opportunity where they thought if they ran this play, ultimately they were going to have some water wide open. They rolled him out thinking that there wasn't a risk of a sack. And realistically, Cousins just needs to identify that and throw the ball away. Um, I still think overall I agree uh, I, I agree with you in hindsight, um, but again, hindsight twenty twenty. But I, I think, yeah, why aren't why aren't you just continue to run the football? In, in current sight, not even hindsight. My philosophy will be in that situation, and I will always be in that situation. At that point, I believe there was what like six, seven minutes left on the clock in the fourth quarter. We're down by five, which means you score a touchdown, you are immediately in the lead. Immediately, right? You need to walk out of that with a touchdown. It does not matter. Okay. You need a touchdown. There is no go for field goal and try to get another position. No. Touchdown. That's all you're that's all you're aiming for. You just ran down the field, basically the entire length of the field. Right? I think the punt there was like punted to our ten. I I'd have to check. But we basically went down that field, marched down that field, all on the run. They could not stop us. We were running at a clip of seven point six yards per carry. Seven point six yards per carry. Right, that's with, caught. With that's, that's, that's absurd with both Cook no, and Madison. It a, didn't matter which one. That's a college number. That's, that's, that's a number you don't insane. see. insane. Yeah. So my mentality there, I don't even care if you want to do tendency breakers. You can do that later. You make them prove that they can stop you on the goal line from eight yards out. Right. You have four tries there. Four tries with one of the best backs in the league with a run-blocking offense that has proven that no one can stop them up to this point in two full games. Right. You run that damn ball. I don't care if you think that you're not going to have a chance for a sack with the rollout. I don't care if you think that that's going to be wide open. You don't take that chance because a lot of wonky things can go wrong when you drop back to pass. A split second, a guy is in his face, and he doesn't get a chance to roll out, and you get a strip sack, right. and it's over. A handoff, there's... Such a low chance of having anything happen wrong with that handoff. You run that damn ball 100% of the time. I don't understand that, especially in Zimmer's situation. I don't get that. Not to mention, you could burn off, even if you don't make it on three attempts, you could burn off two minutes off that clock. I, it just, it's, it's baffling to me, systematically top to bottom. I don't understand that play. Yeah, I think you're not the only one, right? You probably have uh, a majority of the fan base, uh, certainly with hindsight, thinking the same thing. But, uh, you know, even if I agree with you, let's let's look at the fact that Cousins does roll out there. He sees Diggs um, with, you know, he, he kind of had an edge there, but there was never really a window to get that ball in. No. Um, and certainly when he threw it, there ended up being two or three Green Bay players there. Uh, which means one had to have been pretty close to him, and then two yeah, were he, trailing. Yeah, they were. Um, it, it just it 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 was a bad decision to throw that ball. It was. It's just baffling how how much you know badness went into one play right there. You know whether it starts with the play call itself, um, the, play the decision call. to not throw it away, the decision to throw a, essentially a jump ball almost to. A two or three on one situation, um, and then ultimately they come away with it. Uh, I will say that going into that when we had first and goal, the the momentum had completely flipped 
Uh, it had been pretty electric, pretty loud crowd there, uh, considerably louder than last year. Green Bay fans were in, they were going. Well, as we got back and we're going back and it was 16-21 and we started to go, we started to control the game a little bit with the defensive uh, side of the ball. The offense was grooving. There was a skull chant that actually broke out nice. in that fourth quarter. I mean, it had really started to flip. There was nobody in that stadium that did not think the Vikings were going to run that football into the end zone at some point in time. And that's what my Packer, my Packer co-workers said too. Is like they knew. Run it. I think Rogers was already like, all right, you know, I'm going to get the ball back here. I got. I'm going to have plenty of time. Right. And that's where I think Vikings fans were in mindset too. It was like we're going to have a lead. Can the defense come out and get a big stop? Here's here's what's so frustrating to me, and I wish I wish they would just sit down with quarterbacks and give them these analytics and and sit down with Kirk and give him this analytic point here. At that situation in the game, the Vikings down by five. At that spot in goal line, first and goal from the eight. Our chances to win that game, fifty one point eight percent. Our chances to win that game after a first down throwaway, forty eight point six percent. Our chances to win that game after the interception, 8.6%. If it's not clear, if, if Diggs is not alone, 20 yeah. yards free, you throw that ball away and you sacrifice the 2% win chance to win the game and you play other downs. Well, and, I don't and, know what he was thinking. And, and that was in Zimmer's talking about that play call uh, because he got asked about it. And, Mike, you, you just ran the ball uh, down their throats. Why are you looking to... Uh, why are you looking to pass in that situation? And he said, basically, uh, Cousins was supposed to roll out. If the guy wasn't there and the throw wasn't an easy, wide-open touchdown, he was supposed to throw the ball away. You know? Baffling Kirk. Baffling Kirk decision. And it's not as like, I mean, he had a, pre- a guy coming at him, but it's not like he he had plenty of time to make the decision to throw the ball away. It, it, it wasn't one of these under-duress, like, in-the-grass situations. You just could have thrown the ball away easily. Baffling. I hope it doesn't come down to us needing one game to win, and that's the one that, that breaks it, because that's a decision I will never understand the entirety of my life. I will not understand anything from top to bottom of that. I just don't get it. I don't think I ever will, but that's enough about Kirk. I'm tired of being angry, because Kirk is making me angry. By the way, I'm done, I'm done defending you, Kirk, at this point, until you show me otherwise. I'm sick of it. You keep on doing this crap, and I've had your back all the way through the first season of your ups and downs saying, oh, you know, first year, new system, whatever, bad OC, no more. Prove it to me. Prove right. it to me several occasions that you be that you can be consistent and win these games late. Because right now I don't see it. All right. Wide receiver three, Mike. Yeah. This, this is clearly BB at this point. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think... There's not even really anything else to talk about. Uh, um, I, w- I would agree. We had a fan question here. Why did the broadcast call BB a speedster? Um, and I think because he was extremely quick on that one that one play he had, that long play. Well, not quite quick enough. Not quite quick enough, but, my God, that, that dude's fast and squirrely. He's a little squirrely guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I again, I was at the game, so I didn't hear the particular call, but, um, you know, I, I think... At times, sometimes you, you don't realize that uh, broadcasters, a lot of times, are in the heat of the moment, and if on a particular play, he looks fast, you know, speedster can, I don't know, come out, like, regardless of if you don't know anything about their 40 time or if that's actually part of their game. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't look too much into it or, or be too concerned about it. But, I mean, it, it, it's it's good to know that uh, I think he's playing decently well for wide receiver three. 
I think he's he's made some good catches, uh, at least this week. I think last week he really wasn't asked to do much. We didn't really need to, to pick up a lot of first downs. And when we did, it was going to the two premier guys. But um, the situation um, where those guys were, were covered, I, I think he had a, a couple nice catches in this game. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, he definitely had a couple nice grabs. Hopefully that can continue. Um, listen, the receivers aren't really the issue. I, th- I think they're doing a great job at getting open. The problem is that someone has to throw the football to them, and unfortunately the guy that's doing that right now is not doing a very good job of it. I, I'm, I'm going to postulate this for you, Mike. I'm going to postulate this for you. Okay. We don't roster a quarterback. We roster another fullback. We roster no kicker, no punter. Okay. So you can afford, I don't know, extra defensive backs. Okay. So you're always going for it on fourth down. Doesn't matter the situation. You're always going for it. You're always going for two-point conversions. And you're running the rock every single play. I don't see what can go wrong with that, Mike. I think you might run into some injury situations because you really... No, I don't think that's going to happen okay. ever. Well, I, I, I think it's a great strategy, Mike. All right. Well, I mean, hey, we might get to that at this point. What could go wrong? Yeah. How could it get worse? Am I right? You're right. All right, <clears throat> moving on, closing out, Vikings versus Packers. Um, I think the upside here is the Vikings beat themselves. We got right back in this game. We beat ourselves with penalties, with poor play from Kirk Cousins. Those things should be fixable, you would hope, at least on Cousins' part. Um, so all that's fixable. We beat ourselves in this game. Green Bay didn't beat us. We lost this game ourselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they need to get consistent. They need to clean up what they can. Um, you know, that means uh, eliminate the penalties. And, uh, you know, again, special teams needs to be consistent. Cousins needs to figure it out. Uh, I'm not even going to put a label of consistency on that. He just needs to figure it out. Uh, hopefully the defense here, um, you know, has a chance to, you know, continue to assert its dominance i think that you look at what will be uh probably without question the worst offense we'll have faced here in the first three weeks um not saying that means they take it easy or anything but hopefully they have a little bit of an easier time controlling the game don't you know don't run into any issues at the beginning of the game uh and they're able to really carry the momentum of the backside of that green bay game into uh week three here at historic u.s bank historic u.s bank stadium we're taking on the raiders We'll get to some quick predictions there in a bit here, but this Raiders team is one that's extremely beatable. We looked at this this, this game on the, uh, the schedule early. This should be a team that you beat. There's nothing that's particularly scary about the Raiders. Right. You need to take this win because it's it's a lower-quality opponent, and you need wins right now. You're 1-1. One one. You're 0-1 in the division. You're going to be playing a tough Chicago team away in Week 4. You need to take this win. You need to go to 2-1. and one. Um, try to get back on the right track, try to gain some confidence. Like, I'm looking for this game where Kirk goes out there, he slings it, and he puts up, like, 350 and 3 and 0 interceptions. Like, he's got to have a bounce-back game. He's got to have that. He's going to need that confidence going into uh, Chicago because they will get after him. Yep. And we're going to try to assert a run game, and but he's still going to be required to make some damn good throws in that game, I think, for us to win in Chicago. That's a different podcast, but at least for Oakland – we have to dominate in all three phases, bounce this back, because this was not acceptable in Green Bay. Yeah, and I think, you know, knowing Zimmer, they're going to they're gonna focus their energies on, on those things this week. Um, 
and this is a team of, of veterans, right? As young as they are at, at certain uh, areas of the team, um, in in the Daniel Hunters and and uh, you know Dalvin Cooks and and Diggs, players like that 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 are younger, you still are filled with a lot of guys that have been around and been here. And and I think I look for them to come in um, and really enforce that same that culture uh, identity and say, hey, listen, if this is a team that expects to win a Super Bowl which ultimately we have to assume is the mindset in the locker room. It certainly is from the coaching staff uh, that they roll that down and they really do come out at home, take care of business, um, and hopefully, like you said, uh, assert dominance in, in all three levels. Absolutely. Um, so if there's anything else we want to preview on the Oakland, otherwise we can just get in predictions. But No, I, I mean, think I, I think... There's nothing specific I really want to get into with Oakland. No, coming off uh, 28... I think 28-10 loss at home to Kansas City, which yep. they put up all 28 points in, I believe, the second quarter. Um, Impressive that they actually held them in, in three quarters to, to nothing. Yeah, and then the week prior, I believe, uh, they had a good showing on Monday night and beat Denver yep. um, by, I don't know, 8, 10 points, something like that. Something uh, like that. So, right. yeah, a team that's 1-1 one one, uh, certainly will still be hungry. And, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what we got to say there, I think. Ain't, ain't no food at US Bank Stadium for them. They don't get no sweet with the free food, Mike. Yeah, yeah. No, they got to pay for that. So, score predictions. What do you got for open? Uh, I'm going to say 23 to 13. 23 to 13. Let me let me look up the uh, the actual spread here because I thought we were favored by eight. Um, because you know you're going to call me call me an angry fair weather at this point, but uh, I think Oakland's going to cover whatever their spread is at this point. I just, you know, I don't know. I feel like they're going to cover, and I think their, their line is eight. Let me see. Sorry, still looking here. Still trying to get there. I can't find it. I think it's eight right now. I think it's eight. So I think it's going to be 24-17. Vikings. 24-17, okay. Yeah, so I, th- I think the Vikings are going to cover, or not cover, I think the, the Raiders are going to cover their spread. Did I say Ravens? No, I think you said Raiders. I don't know. I'm, I'm still heated from Kirk Cousins, man. Seven and a half, it looks like. Seven and a half, okay. So, yeah, 24-17, bike swim. Um, and, you know, with that score, I don't necessarily think it's going to be as dominant win as I kind of want it to be, but that's how I feel of the, about this team right now. They, they haven't proven they can be consistent enough to put away this opponent as they should. Right, and, and you know, I, I think it's early. Um, we can You can still maintain some optimism here. Uh, I think it's okay to do that, but it's also okay to be frustrated at, at Cousins particularly, right? Um, and there were certainly other areas where uh, that contributed to this loss, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we were still put in a really good position to win that football game, uh, and they just didn't do it. They didn't finish, and I think, again, it's frustrating for me because – you consistently see the teams that are always there at the end of the year, the the Patriots teams. Um, you know, and you, they finish these games. They finish the games, uh, and and that's something that I don't know if you can teach it, you can coach it, or what, or if you just need to do it once or twice and you learn how to do that. Uh, but it's something that we just have never really had, and it's frustrating because if you want to play to that next level and you really want to be a serious team. 
you gotta you gotta step on it. You know, you you, you gotta end it. You gotta go and get that game, and and that's something that I'm hoping we're gonna start to do here starting this week. We'll find out as soon as you guys will. So Sunday afternoon, I think Sunday noon is when that game happens. So um, I guess tune in. It's it's, it's going to be a show one way or another. It's it's either going to be another crap show. Um, that's that's another letdown, or it's going to be a throttling. Honestly, I don't think there's going to be an in between there. But um, we'll find out. Yeah. Till next time, Mike. You know. Till Sunday. I'm at the Mock Seven on Twitter. Musky underscore Mike. Like I said, we put out there questions. We had a couple of questions here we answered. Love doing that, so we'll do that again going forward. Make sure you're, you're getting them in there. Um, love interacting with you guys. Um, but we're the Scooters Podcast, part of the Crime in the Pocket Network on Daily Norseman. You're listening to us everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those good places. Um, that's going to do it, guys. Until next week, let's go. Skull. Let's go.